Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. wonderful to be able to be together, to be able to sing our praises together, to be able to see life change in the form of two young girls who are giving an outward symbol of an inward commitment. And uh, so if you're visiting with us today, welcome. Thank you for choosing to be a part of our church today. If you're watching online uh, here in Myrtle Beach, it is cold, rainy, and dreary, uh, but I hope that you have warm hearts and hot cocoa. I'll be over in about an hour. Um, No, but in all seriousness, thanks so much for joining with us today. My name is Terry. I'm one of the pastors here. And we've been talking uh, for the last couple of weeks um, and asking the question, who needs Christmas? And, you know, it, it speaks to that idea that, you know, sometimes the, the, the calendar turns, the presents are being bought. Uh, right now, it used to say, you know, going out into the, the, sh- the malls and shopping, and most of it's done online with clicking. But uh, in this process, is it just another date on the calendar? Um, are we missing something? And today, specifically, we're going to talk about you personally. Um, because isn't it true that we go over to friends' house, families, um, family members' houses, we gather them for the Christmas cookies, for the parties, and we watch everybody, and, and a lot of individuals, and they have smiles on their face, they're laughing, they're joking, and they're sharing of good things. But some of us, depending on the year, we sit back, and there are other thoughts going through our mind. Maybe it's looking at them, wishing that we had the same joy and the same heart as they did wishing that we could celebrate this Christmas season, but the, the wearies and the burdens of the world are upon our shoulders and on our back. We feel the weight of it. We look into our kids' faces. We see their, their carefree spirit, and we wish that we could tap into that somehow. But the truth is, is that it's a little bit dimmer this year for a lot of different reasons. If that's you, then I want to be able to hopefully um, lead you to some promises of God. And they're promises that, that Jesus spoke about, but they're also promises that were spoken about hundreds of years before Jesus Christ was even here. And if you're not a Christian, or maybe you're tuning online and, and someone invited you to watch and you're not, I'm glad you're listening. And, and I, want you to, I want you to know that you can have this magic of Christmas that we all seek this Christmas season. In order to do so, we're going to kind of take you back to truth. And so uh, we've been kind of going through some different types of scriptures during this Christmas season. And uh, this one is really important because it actually speaks to the moment of Jesus. See, there was a guy by the name of Isaiah, and and if you're not a Christian, a lot of Christians know the prophet Isaiah, but they really don't understand the context with what Isaiah was living in. Sometimes we know, oh, the prophet Isaiah said, if you watch Peanuts, Charlie Brown Christmas, you know what the prophet Isaiah said because um, you see, I think it was Linus speaking of what actually Isaiah said. But Isaiah lived in a difficult time. You see, Isaiah was on the northern part of Israel. And during this time, the Assyrian army had just taken over northern Israel. And so Isaiah wasn't speaking of what was happening during the the moment. You see, the the Hebrew people were all scattered. They were all miserable. They were, where is God? What's going to happen? And here is Isaiah out speaking to the crowds, and he is going to point them to somewhere. He's going to point to a promise of God. And it's amazing, and I want you to pick this up. This is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. Remember, all weariness. Here's Isaiah. He says, the people who walk in darkness, they will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And so here is Isaiah. He is in an area in a region called Naphtali. Now, Naphtali is in present-day Israel. It's right around the Sea of Galilee. 
and he's standing on this side. And what he was basically saying is, if you were here last week, we talked about the light that Jesus Christ brings. There's a lot of word pictures about the light of Christ. And here is Isaiah in a deep, dark time of capture. And he says, hey, there's going to come a time of great light. And we fast forward. And all of a sudden, we see a guy by the name of Matthew write the book of Matthew. And as he writes it, He is going to refer to 700 years previously to Isaiah. And I want you to see what Matthew says. Watch this. This is Matthew chapter 4, verse 13. He says this about Jesus. He went first to Nazareth, then he left there and moved to Capernaum beside the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali beside the sea beyond the Jordan River in Galilee. There where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in where? darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. As I said, here we go in scripture, we see 700 years go by. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down these promises and we're going to refer to them as we kind of walk through this narrative. And here's the first thing I want you to write down. Time might remove the majesty of Christmas, but truth never will. Write that down. Time might remove the majesty of Christmas, but truth never will. I just got done saying 700 years passed when the prophet Isaiah stood in a desolate place and said, hey, a great light's coming. Yeah, whatever. And what ends up happening is the skeptics will sit there and say, no, it didn't happen. There was a lot of different things. But you have to understand in this region and in this area, Jesus Christ fulfilled every prophecy that was written about him in the Old Testament. There's a difference between truth and feeling. And to those of you that are maybe skeptics of Jesus, you got to understand this. Isn't it true that sometimes, you know, we can go into work one day and we can walk in, we can have a great conversation with our boss and we can sit there and we can walk out and say, oh, I love my job. Oh, I love my workplace. I love my boss. He's amazing. He's awesome. It's incredible. I love it. It's a great. And then the next day you go in and all of a sudden you, you hear information that you don't like or whatever and you come home and you say, I hate my boss. I hate my job. I hate my life. It's terrible. Well, wait a minute. Hold on a second. What has changed? Our feelings have changed. But one thing remains constant and that's the truth. And we, as followers of Jesus, we have to be mindful of that, is that as we approach the Christmas season, here's what ends up happening, is this Christmas right now as you're approaching might be darker than it has been before. And you might not be feeling like it is great. You might feel like God is far. You might feel like God doesn't care. But the truth is, is that Jesus came into an area of great darkness and a great light was shown, and that was Jesus Christ. And some of you, that might be your message today where you just have to grab on to the truth of what Christmas is about. And you know what? And you say, you know what, God? I forget the majesty of Christmas is that you are alive. And if you believe that and then hang on to that, then stay awake for the next few points because we're gonna build off of that. Because if you grab onto that and you believe, okay, it is true, Jesus came into this world, then here's the second thing that you can remember, that Christmas can enlarge your territory. What does that mean? Well, let's take a look. Isaiah continues. This is, again, 700 years before Jesus. Take a look at this. He says, you will, I'm talking about Jesus, enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as a people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. Now, we're going to get back to this in a second. But I want you to focus in on this. They will rejoice before you as a people rejoice at the harvest, as if they planted, they waited, and a great harvest came. And like, yes, anticipation. Or like warriors dividing the plunder after a big conquest. Let me set this up for you. 
Several years ago, I went, um, I was invited to go play in the Jacksonville, in Jacksonville, Florida at the NFL Air It Out Flag Football Tournament. Thousands of competitors in this huge industrial field. And so me and four other guys, we drove up to Jacksonville to play in one of the brackets of this tournament. And the way it goes is, is you play three games, and if you win enough in these three games, then you can go on to the playoffs, and then you can win your bracket. So we went in, and we, we didn't practice much. We just drove up there. We played the first game, and we won the first game. Like, woohoo! And then all of a sudden, we played the second game, and we won the second game. And now we're like, woo, we actually have a, a chance here. We could actually make the playoffs. We could actually win our bracket. So now we go to the third game, and the third game, it was tough. It was a good team. And we're back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And in the last second, this team beats us by one point. Oh! But the good news is they said, hey, you, you, because of your, your standings and everything else, you made it to the playoffs. We're like, yes. So we go to the first round of the playoffs. We play the playoff team, and we beat them. And we're like, yes, we're in the championship game. This is incredible. And guess who we're facing? The team that beat us by a point. So now we're locked in. We can beat them. We can go. And so we play. And it's back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And it gets to the last play of the game. Our team was up, and they are about one foot from the goal line. All they have to do is complete a pass or run it in, and they win the game. And so all of a sudden, we're standing there, and it's the, the fourth down, and he makes the pass, and, and the referee says, yep, this is the last play of the game. He makes the pass. One of our teammates dives, knocks the ball down, and we jump up. Yes, we won, we won, we won, we won. And the referee goes, oh, no, one second left on the clock. Now, you might say, well, Terry, one second, you know, you still won the game. It's just one second. But you got to understand, the ball was on the one-foot line. So... If they get our quarterback in the end zone, they could score points and still win the game. So all of a sudden, we, we like start stressing again, and we tell the team, okay, look, we look to our quarterback. You're going to get the ball. You're going to be in the end zone. If you're not a follower of sports, just hang with me. You'll understand. You got the ball. You're in the end zone. If they grab your flag in the end zone, we're going to lose. There's only one second. Just take the ball, step back, and throw it as far as you can down the field. It'll run the timeout. We'll win the game. So it's, oh, yeah, I got it, got it, got it, got it. Great. So we're all standing there. We're all relaxed. And he says, hike. He gets the ball. And then I don't know what happens. He has a brain melt. He steps back and he holds the ball. We're not blocking or doing anything. The other team rushes in as fast as they can. He panics and starts running around in the end zone. And we're looking at him. What are you doing? Throw the ball. Throw the ball. And we're, all, we're like, ah. And at the last second, one of their team members reaches for his flag, and before he gets it, he takes the ball and he does this and throws it like straight up in the air. And we're like, what did you just do? The other team goes up, we run up, we jump up in the air, we swat it, it falls. One of their team members dives, it hits off the tip of his fingers, falls on the ground, we end up winning the game. But we were so mad we, we turn and we're looking at him and we're yelling at him, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why, why did you do that? You almost cost us the game. And meanwhile, the referee's stepping in and go, guys, you won. Guys, you, you won, you won. Oh, we, won. we won, we won, we won. We're the champions. And then we hug each other and everything. It's all great. Here's my point. That's the word picture when it speaks directly that we were talking about, about the point of that when you when you ask God to enlarge your territory, it's as if you have been waiting and believing and hoping with everything that you have and God's promises come true and you celebrate, not just, yeah, well, hey, we won, way to go. Yeah, it's a good job. No, no, no. Yes, we did it. Oh my gosh, it was hard. It was difficult. It was crazy. And the reason why that word picture is like this is for this reason. Long story to bring to this point. 
God can enlarge your territory as a believer in Christ if you just ask him. What do you mean, Terry? Is this, you know, are you just prosperity gospel? No, no, no. Hear my heart. Our purpose as believers, wake up and pay attention. Our purpose is to glorify God in everything we say and do. God wants to be a part of his purpose. And if God knows our hearts and we look at this Christmas season and say, God, I, I want you to enlarge my territory. I want to influence others for your purpose. And so God, I'm praying and I'm asking and I'm believing that this Christmas season that you can enlarge my territory because my heart is pure and because all I want to do is to serve you and all I want to do is to be able to bless others. And so God, with everything that I have as a dad, with everything he has as a wife, with, with, with no selfishness as a part, I'm asking you to enlarge my territory. If you do that and you pray that prayer, you better watch out because God's gonna show up mightily and God's gonna enlarge your territory. And it will be like you sitting and going, oh my gosh, God, this is incredible. This is amazing. I can't believe it happened. And that's the kind of response you're gonna have after a great harvest or a great victory at a battle. You will never forget the day that God enlarged your territory. So this Christmas season, you want it magical? Ask for God to enlarge your territory. There's a third point that I want you to write down. It's this. Christmas is not a holiday. It's a holy day. And I'm gonna explain this after we talk about it. Isaiah 9, 6 says this. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. I think we forget the magic of Christmas because we forget exactly what Christmas is about. It's about the greatest gift ever given with nothing expected in return. I've shared in our church before that, you know, part of the way that we make sure that our hearts are right is to do something for someone else expecting nothing in return. See, a lot of us as Christians, you know, we, we kind of do the thing where we do, we're kind to someone, but deep down in the crevices of our heart, we're like, you know, I'm kind to someone, and maybe, maybe I'll just get this in return. Maybe I'll get a little bit more friendship. Maybe I'll get a little, you know, more business. If I just gonna give them this gift, or I say hello, or I'm kind, maybe they'll serve for me. I'll just do, there's always an ulterior motive. And what I say as Christians is, is if you really freely want to be able to love on someone, that you do it expecting nothing in return. And that's the kind of gift that Jesus gave us. I grew up in a religion that taught me unintentionally, but just because of the belief system, that if I was to go to heaven and if I'm going to receive that gift, that means that I have to be a good person. That means I have to go to church every Sunday. That means I need to kind of curb my language. means I need to try to be nice to my siblings and my friends. And if I do enough of those good deeds, then I will earn that gift. If that's your theology and if that's what you think Christianity is, is if I just do enough, God, if I'm just kind enough, if I'm just good enough, if I just do enough good works, then that will get me into eternity and I will receive the greatest gift ever given. Then you have a very flawed theology because that is not the gift of Christmas. And I think some of us, we lose the magic of Christmas is because we keep trying to earn that gift. I wanna show you a passage of scripture. This is a book written to the church in Ephesus and it clarifies that gift and what that gift means. Take a look at this. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. You see, salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done so that you cannot boast of it. I don't care if you go to church 52 Sundays a year. I don't care if you're the kindest, most gentlest, most wonderful person in the world. That does not get you into heaven. It does not allow you to receive that gift. The only way you receive that gift is by saying, God, I am a sinner. God, me next to my brother or sister, my family member, there's nothing better in me than there is of him because you created them and you created me. 
And so God, I right now, just with a humble heart, I open my hands and I say, God, I'm going to receive this gift. I know that there's nothing that I did to deserve it. There's nothing I can do to grab it. It is a gift that is freely given to me. And if I receive it, then I will spend eternity with you. And that's the magic of Christmas. And that's the greatest gift ever given. And so you, you can tune me out for the rest of the message. But if you've been acting as if, if I just do enough, I can receive that gift. You have a flawed theology because the greatest gift has already been given and it's free, and it's free for you. Here's the fourth point. Christmas fulfills an amazing promise, and I want you to lean in, and we've, we've heard this, but we've not dialed in on it. So take a look at this. Isaiah continues. He said, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called the following, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. Now, if you've been a Christian for a while, you've heard those terms, and we spout them off. Wonderful counselor, everlasting father, prince of peace, he's so wonderful, little baby Jesus is amazing, isn't he? And we say those things, but have we really ever examined what that promise means to us? Let's take it the first one. The first one is, is that we're promised the Christ child will be a wonderful counselor, and this is the greatest gift that we receive that we absolutely fly by in our life. How many of us pray for wisdom of God almost every week? If you're a parent in this room, you know you've prayed for wisdom. Dear God, I'm going to kill the child, so I ask for your wisdom. You've prayed for it. We ask for God's wisdom all the time. You know, the truth of the matter is, do you know that there's over 1,050 instructions in the New Testament alone that you, you gain and glean wisdom from do you know that Jesus Christ, the New Testament is filled with the teachings of Jesus that makes our lives better? We take that for granted, don't we? Some of you who have been Christians for a long time and you, you're respected at your workplace and you make great decisions, you think it's all because, wow, I'm just a pretty smart guy. No, you're not. You've read the most incredible manuscript written in the history of mankind and you've gleaned off of it and because you've gleaned off of it, you've applied it and you've had success. And meanwhile, we all walk around saying, yep, I'm pretty smart. Yep, I'm pretty wise. Yep, I'm pretty relational. No, you learn from God. And by the way, if you're in this room and you want wisdom, you want to be a better leader, a better husband, better wife, better spouse, better, better sibling, if you want that and you've never read at least the New Testament, then my goodness, you talk about a gift that's been given you. It's like, hello, McFly, it's right here. Just read it because he's the wonderful counselor. You know, I, I, I thought this the other day. How many of us go to our friends when we need advice, right? And not that that's bad. But how many times, just think, let's just think of this. How many of us have gone to a friend, we're sitting and we're coffee, and we're saying, hey, I need to pick your brain about something. Yeah, yeah, shoot. I need your advice. Okay, shoot. All right, uh, and you ask him a, a very deep question that is really gonna have impact in your life. You know, you're really wanting this. And have you ever had the person sitting across, hear it for the first time, and here's what they said. Well, right off the top of my head, think about this for a second. You're going to make a life-changing decision from somebody which you don't even know what, where their thought process is, and they just look and say, hey, this thought I'm about to give you isn't even deep down and even prayed over. It's right here at the tip. You know, it might be indigestion. I don't know, but I'm going to give it to you. And you go, wow, that was incredible. That was amazing. And we make decisions like that. Oh, my goodness. We need to take time to be able to examine the most incredible document ever given and to really begin to understand where wisdom comes from. He's the wonderful counselor. Here's the second thing. He's mighty God. 
And this comes from the book of Deuteronomy, and I want to remind you of this promise that God gives us. It says, so be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God, and don't miss this, will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. If there's ever been a time in your life where you're looking for a job position and you have a friend who knows the person who's hiring, you go to him and say, hey, do you think you could put a good word in for me? Yeah, yeah, I can do that. And then when they go up, here's what they do. They don't go to that boss and they don't go say to him, hey, I know you're looking for this position and there's a lot of great candidates that have a lot of great qualities and I really hope that you get the great person with the great qualities and then they walk out. Now, did that person really personally go for you and go on your behalf? No, he didn't do anything for you. He just was really general. This is the amazing thing about God. We think that about God. Well, God really doesn't care about my, this situation at work. God really doesn't care about my fight with my wife. God doesn't really care about that. He's too busy with too many other great things. No, in the book of Deuteronomy, he says this, be strong and courageous, Christian, because God will not just go before you. He will personally go before you. Isn't it great to know with this Christmas season that we have a God that knows your name and knows your gifts and talents and will personally go ahead of you with everything that you ask according to his will? Oh, I celebrate that this Christmas season. Thank you, God, that you know. You know how weird I am? And God, you still love me. There is another aspect, and it's this. He's the everlasting father, and this is a simple one. It's always. If you ever want to give up on God and ever want to think, you know what, God, I just don't know if you're there. I don't know. He's everlasting. He's perpetual. That's what that word means. It's unending. It continues. It's always. And here's the fourth one, and I'm going to camp, so if you slept for a little bit, I need you to wake up, because if I pray you get anything, I pray you get this. The last part that Isaiah promised God would be for us is the Prince of Peace. Now, how many of you need peace this Christmas? How many of you have been going through this season, and while you're shopping, while you're talking, while you're baking, you're only part there? Because your mind is elsewhere. You're worried about your friends. You're worried about your family. You're worried about your health. Anxieties and fears are overtaking part of your brain. Do you know that God doesn't want that for your life? And I'm going to make this statement. Look, whether you are an individual that from a, a mental health standpoint you are very strong, or if you're sitting in this room and you struggle constantly with depression, anxiety, or fear, either way, understand my words when I say this. God doesn't want that for any of us. And God gives us a lot of, a lot of wisdom and discernment and a lot of advice to be able to handle day after day after day. It's no joke. But I can tell you that God doesn't want this for our lives for this reason. Because did you know that our God is not a God of confusion? He's not. Take a look at this, 1 Corinthians 14, 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but he is the author of peace. Don't miss this. I've sat up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I come back, and I lay in bed and go, dear God, okay, think darkness, think black, think, think sleep, think sheep. Just don't, don't let your mind go. Don't let your mind, oh, no, no, there's that stress over there. Oh, no, no, there, there, there is anxiety. Oh, there, there, oh, and then your mind starts going. And then it's 2 o'clock, it's 3 o'clock, it's 4 o'clock, and you're wrestling, and you're stressful, and you're biting your teeth, and you're just, oh. 
and then you're in the middle of the day and you're driving in your car and thank goodness we go on autopilot when we drive. How many of you have to drive somewhere different and you end up driving somewhere else because you're not paying attention? Your head is somewhere else. Your mind is running down rabbit trails. Do you know that God doesn't want to do that? He doesn't want you to have that. He's not the author. Do you know who is the author of that? The enemy. The enemy wants you to fear. The enemy wants you to have anxiety. The enemy wants you distracted. Why, Terry? Why does the enemy want that? It's very simple. We have one purpose. Our purpose is to glorify God in every moment of every day around everybody. That's our purpose. And so what the enemy knows is I want Terry off his game. So I'm going to distract Terry every single minute with as much as I can to get him worried and to get him anxious and to get him to forget that the God of the universe is the Prince of Peace. And so if I could get him distracted and anxious and fearful, he's not going to think of peace. Meanwhile, God is sitting there right here, the Holy Spirit saying, Terry, Terry, I got this. Terry, Terry, look, you're human and you're going to stress and I know I'm going to be back about five o'clock this afternoon because you're going to start worrying again. And so I understand you're not perfect, you're not God, and so you're going to struggle every single day. But here's what I can do for you in the moment so you don't get distracted, so you can sit at the Christmas party and you can enjoy the moment with your children and not be stressed and worried. I'm going to send my perfect peace if you call upon my name. Now, do you want to know? You say, Terry, well, that sounds wonderful, but Terry, I've prayed before and it doesn't help. Do you want to know how you can do it and how you can have success? Let me get practical. Take a look at Romans 8, 27. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Do you know that if in the moment of stress and anxiety and you say, I don't know what I'm going to do, do you know if you stop and say, God, I have no clue. God, I'm panicked. But God, I know this. I know you want your will to be done. So I'm just asking you to send me thoughts, send me peace that will fly according to your perfect will. Now, you don't think that happens? How many of you ever been in a situation where you're talking to someone and all of a sudden you have a great idea? You ever been there before? Where, oh, wait, 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 what about this? What about this? Here's, here's what we do. We think it's us. We think it's, I'm, Terry's brilliant. He just came up with a great idea. Do you know that God can send thoughts our way according to his perfect will? Did you know that? If you have the heart to say, God, I want your will and not mine. God, I want your peace. God, help me not to stress. Instead, I pray that you would speak to me. When you do that, his thoughts will come and merge with yours and you will actually begin to think of the things of God according to his will. You don't believe me? Do you know what Jesus said right before he left? Don't miss this. Take a look. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot. So don't be troubled or afraid. You don't think God cares about peace and being the prince of peace? You don't think that that's important to him? Take a look at this. This is from John chapter 16, 32. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, Christian, because I've overcome the world. You see, Jesus Christ came to this earth after the prophet Isaiah said, in a land of darkness, there will be a great light. And that light will be a wonderful counselor, will give his followers wisdom and discernment. He is going to be an everlasting father, always perpetual. He's going to be the prince of peace. 
he is going to be able to bring peace to a heart that's troubled. Because Jesus Christ, before he left, said, I give you peace. And the peace I give, the world cannot. And so who needs Christmas? I need it more than you know. I need to go this afternoon and I need to be a part with family and friends and I need to focus on the moment and celebrate the moment and have joy in the moment instead of my head being elsewhere because of the stresses of this world. I thank God. He is the wonderful counselor, everlasting father, almighty God, prince of peace. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I um, lift up families in this room and friends in this room and those watching at home. God, we all struggle during the holidays. We have our ups and we have our downs, but one thing never fails and that is your truth. And the truth is, is the prophet Isaiah said that you would come and you would bring those attributes to your followers. And God, you fulfilled that prophecy and then before you left, you promised not only to fulfill it once by coming into this world, but fulfilling it perpetually, always, everlasting in our hearts and lives. Thank you that you go before us. Thank you that you personally go before us. So God, I pray right now for all that are watching and listening, I pray that they would hold on to the promises of the Christ child and that this Christmas Christmas season would truly be the most incredible one ever. God, we tell you we love you today and we give you all the praise and the glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.